1: Happy football season, everybody. Real football back tonight. College football's first full week of the 2023 season. Stanford Steve will be on the show with me coming up in the next two segments. Uh, The next segment, we'll talk college football. We'll do a season preview. We'll get his thoughts on the Terps as well. Uh, And then we'll talk some NFL and some commanders with Stanford Steve. Uh, after that. Steve, by the way, has a big role on ESPN's College Game Day this year, starting this Saturday in Charlotte, where North Carolina plays South Carolina. That is the best football pregame show, I think, by miles. Uh, One of the best pregame shows, period. I would put that one and the TNT NBA show. Uh, Side-by-side is the best. No early smell test pick uh, tonight. All right, so no Thursday night smell test pick. The 2023 smell test will debut on tomorrow's show. Uh, The big game tonight is Florida at Utah. My bookies got Utah now as a five-point favorite. They were a a six-and-a-half-point favorite yesterday, but their excellent starting quarterback, Cam Rising, is out for the game tonight. Uh, The other big story tonight is Matt Rule makes his debut as Nebraska's head coach. Uh, It did not work very well for Matt Rule in the NFL. You know, some guys are just college guys. I think he's one of those guys. Uh, My bookie has the Huskers as seven-and-a-half-point underdogs at Minnesota. That game tonight on Fox at 8 p.m. Uh, Did you see, speaking of Nebraska, did you see the women's volleyball game in Lincoln last night? Women's volleyball, Nebraska against Omaha, the Lady Huskers— beat Omaha in front of 92,003 people at Nebraska's football stadium in Lincoln. It was the most amount of people, the largest crowd to ever witness a women's college sporting event. That's all I know about that game. I did not see it. I just saw it on SportsCenter. Uh, early this morning, uh, my bookie has everything you're looking for. If you're ready to bet some football, uh, and even if you have a place already, you should have a second place. Uh, I've told you that many times over the years. My bookie can be your second comparison shopping place or it can be your first place. They've got fair lines, fair pricing. You get paid if you win. No worries about being taken advantage of. Uh, no complicated process for getting your money out. Go to mybookie.ag. Use my promo code, KevinDC, to secure a welcome bonus on the house. Signing up is free, but when you make that initial deposit, use my promo code, Kevin DC to secure a deposit bonus and for a limited time, a free chip to use in the MyBookie online casino. MyBookie.ag, one of the most reliable places to bet on sports. Use my promo code Kevin DC. Uh, so I want to start the show with this lengthy email from Alan in Rockville. Alan wrote to me. And Alan's written to me before. Uh, I know that name uh, and that location. He wrote, Kevin, I've been a fan of yours for a long time. Well, thank you, Alan. Uh, Even when I disagree with you, I respect your opinion because it's always reasoned and backed by information, except here it comes for one issue, the name. On yesterday's show, And he titled the show – well, I had titled the show, but he mentions the title of the show, Wright Barry's Old Name. That was the name of the show yesterday because Jason Wright – Uh, put an end to any kind of long-shot hope that some have that the old name would come back. He did that with J.P. Finley and Brian Mitchell on their radio show on 106.7 The Fan. But Alan writes, on yesterday's show, Write Barry's Old Name, you once again showed an unwillingness to accept the fact that the name is a slur no matter how many times you ask for a second dictionary definition. Yes, I have uh, for many years now said, and I pitched this to uh, the team, that they should uh, petition dictionaries for a second uh, definition. You know, Redskin, um, Redskins, plural, the team that plays football in Washington, D.C., or a player who plays for the team who plays in, in Washington, D.C., because that's really what the word has meant For fifty plus years, nobody uses that word, and hasn't used that word for nearly a century to describe Native Americans. They use that word to describe the football team that plays in Washington. Anyway, um, he was referring to that. Uh, He he writes how many times? No matter no matter how many times you ask for a second dictionary definition, it's a dictionary-defined slur. And as Jason Wright might punctuate, period. That's a good reference to Jason Wright's comments yesterday. Um, He writes, that's not as you call it a mic drop for me because I do believe that the issue is hard to wrap arms around. So I'm willing to listen, but I worry you're not anymore. Uh, Then he continues. How were you so duped by this so-called native American group and their phony petition? Why do you continue to cite polls when all of them, the post, poll, the post poll, and yes, even the Berkeley, Michigan poll, which had the opposite result of the post poll, are so flawed? Native, Am- Native Americans can't be polled accurately for so many reasons. I think you know that. I've always agreed with you that despite the dictionary definition, opinion on the issue shouldn't be solely decided on that alone. You've mentioned many times in the past the Native American high schools that still use the name Redskins, and that more than anything else has made me pause in my tracks. It's very obvious that it's not the N-word, and positioning it as such has made my side look unwilling to even have a conversation. One of the reasons I've listened to you over the years is that you're tough but empathetic. You're passionate, and yet you've shown a willingness to have your mind changed by others who are, pass- who are passionate as well. I hope that hasn't changed. Oh, I agree that the Arizona game is a must-win game. Uh, well, thank you um, very much, Alan, for uh, a very thoughtful uh email. You can tweet me at Kevin Sheehan DC. You can email me through our podcast website at the So I am, by the way, Alan, sincere when I say I really do appreciate the kind words and the effort you put into it. Although I am a little bit curious as to why yesterday's show prompted you to write that email. But anyway. Uh, I think I am still willing to change my mind with new and improved information. I think I'm still capable and willing to listen, uh, even on this issue, although I have to say, and I think I said this a few weeks back, I'm not really into having this conversation with people who aren't part of the family, so to speak, Alan, you know, meaning bona fide, legitimate fans of the team. Um, and I know you are. I just think this is a very personal issue for longtime fans. Uh, and for people who have just followed the issue, read about the issue, but haven't felt it like we have, they're entitled to an opinion, but I'm not as interested in theirs as I am yours, Alan. But anyway, um, let me get something out of the re- way real quickly before I address the bulk of your uh, email. I don't have a real opinion one way or the other about the Native American Guardian Association petition. But I think it's important for you to take note before you claim that I I, I was duped by them, which is not the case. Um, I don't even know what that means, really. But you should take note um, that I have not had them on the show. I haven't had them on this podcast. I haven't had them on the radio show. Despite being inundated with people insisting over the last month or so that I put them on the show. I mean, an incredible number of people have continually sent me the updates on the petition and not asked or requested, insisted that I have them on the show. So just take notice that I have not done that. Secondly, um, I want to take a second, I think I did this a few weeks ago as well, to read an actual definition of redskin in a real dictionary like the Merriam-Webster Dictionary uh, because... This is something I didn't, I actually didn't realize until I brought it up, I don't know, a month ago or whatever. Um, But if you go to the Merriam Webster dictionary and a few other dictionaries as well, redskin is defined as a noun used as an insulting and contemptuous term for an American Indian. Now, I'm not suggesting that that's a compliment that that's a complementary definition of redskin. Uh, but it's also not a definition that includes the word slur or racist, as you suggested in your email. There may be a dictionary or two out there that do use slur and racist, but Webster's doesn't, and that's a pretty big dictionary. And by the way, insulting and contemptuous while not complimentary, they're not synonyms for slur or racist. But anyway, moving on. Look, again, I'm not sure why yesterday's show was the show that really upset you. Um, I've been outspoken over the years on the name issue, but yesterday's show was really about recognizing that Redskins is done, which is what I've thought. All along, now did I think Jason Wright was the right guy to be the public voice on this one—the one sounding so official? Uh, not really. And by the way, I would have recommended to him, and I don't think I said this on the show yesterday. Um, I should have. I would have recommended to him that he not do uh, what Dan kind of did years ago when he said "never, ever, ever," and you know, put it in all caps. When he said yesterday, it is not being considered period. Uh, You know, when JP said after he said, it's not being considered. And JP said at all, he could have just said at all. um, Instead of saying period, I guess that's nitpicking to a certain degree. Look, I know Jason being the one that said it yesterday, rubbed many of you the wrong way because he was the one in charge of coming up with what we have now. So to many of you, it appears that he has an agenda. I get that, but I don't think he was out there just winging it. I think he knows what ownership wants, and I, it wouldn't surprise me if he was authorized to go public with that. But yesterday, Allen wasn't a name discussion show at all. I didn't think it was. I think it was just a response to what Jason Wright had said. Um Now, if you're referring to me saying yesterday that changing the name back to Redskins would be wildly popular with the fans of this team, I believe that to be true. Actually, I'm convinced that that's true. But like I've said for months now on the old name, it's not coming back because the league won't allow it. And, you know, for Josh Harrison Company, after paying $6 billion for the team I don't think they want the heat that comes with bringing back or even discussing bringing back the old name, and in so many ways, I don't blame them. Um, but I do think there will be a serious, you know, a serious deep dive into whether or not commanders commanders should stay or not. I, I that's a different subject, and Jason didn't say, you know, not a consideration period to that one to you know, whether or not there would be a rebrand at some point. But again, Alan, I'm not sure really why yesterday's show got you fired up. Maybe you were just waiting for the right time uh, to send me your thoughts on all this. Uh, and I'm fine with that. Um, as far as the polls go, you're right. It is very difficult to get anything definitive through polling when it comes to Native Americans. Uh, the reasons for that, first of all, it's a very small percentage of our population. It's less than 2% unless you include Alaskan Native. Uh, but yet, the small percentage of the population is spread out over 500-plus reservations. And they are very different culturally, socially, Um, there are issues in contacting them for polling purposes in many cases. Uh, there are issues related to those who identify as native American versus those who are actually part of a tribe. Uh, when it's come to this issue though, this is all we've had to work with other than, you know, your dictionary definition. Uh, You know, the Annenberg poll was, I think, the first poll uh, that really hammered home what Native Americans thought. Um, Again, understanding the, you know, the difficulty in polling Native Americans, but the Annenberg poll in 2004... And this is kind of interesting, actually, to, to consider it. I'm going to hope, hopefully get a lot of this right uh, based on memory. But the Annenberg poll in 2004 was the first poll of primarily Native Americans, or maybe those who identified as Native Americans. But anyway, the numbers were so startling. Nine out of ten didn't have a problem with the name. So for years... The other side, after that poll came out, especially as we got into the late 2000s and the early 2010s, the other side, those that wanted the name to be changed, would just say, look, that poll is outdated and it doesn't reflect the current view of Native Americans. So, you know, look, even I would have said before the 2016 post poll, and I did say, because I remember saying many times, I'm willing to believe that the Annenberg poll is outdated, but where's the new poll reflecting the major change? And for years, there wasn't one. And then in 2016, the Post poll came out, and it mirrored the Annenberg poll to the exact percentage breakdown. I mean, does anyone really think the Post was expecting or wanted A 90-10 result? They ran that poll because they thought, like many did, that the Annenberg poll of 2004 was too old and it was outdated. The Post was shocked at the results. And certainly, if you know anything about media and political and social preference, you know the Post cringed putting that poll out. But they did. And so what happened then? Well, of course, the other side said... The poll's flawed. It's majorly flawed. Don't believe it. You know, it would have been easier to scream how flawed that poll was if the New York Post had put the poll out. But it was the Washington Post that put it out. I mean, I still, to this day, um, the people who try to minimize the results of that post poll as massively flawed and, you know, just dismiss it, you know, erase it. You know, I kind of view those people as total marks, total marks, and just a bit silly. I mean, come on, do you really think the Washington Post wanted a repeat of the Annenberg poll? They ran it because they expected a far different result. They thought 12 years later they would get a far different result and it would be significantly influential in everybody changing their mind. If there were any really serious issues, serious flaws with that poll, the Post would have run to the presses with a retraction. Um... And then there was another poll, the Michigan-Berkeley poll. Uh, We've talked about that one in the past. That one had a different result. Alan, it was not the opposite result as you described. It wasn't 90-10 the other way. It was more like 49-40 the other way with the rest undecided. Hardly the opposite, but still very different results. And that poll actually had a larger sample size it was like i think a 1000 compared to 550 or something like that but some of the flaws that were discussed with the post poll were also cited as flaws with that poll bottom line is polls are all we've really had but if you want me to acknowledge that polling in the na- polling of the native american community is just really difficult. I acknowledge that. Look, polling in general is kind of flawed, isn't it, to a certain degree because of the small sample size? Um, But no, you're right. Everybody seems to agree that it is a hard group to poll. Um, But, you know, there are other things to consider, like you pointed out, and I appreciate you pointing some of these things out, That I've said before and that others, you know, understand that, you know, it's far from super, super offensive because there are Native American high schools that still have the team name and refuse to change it and say they're proud of it. But again, that also could speak to the fact that there are so many reservations, so many different tribes, and they're very autonomous. They they don't all think the same. Um, anyway, this gets exhausting after a while. Look, the bottom line is it's over. Like I think Jason Wright told you yesterday, it's over. And I know some of you reached out to me to say it's not over. All they have to do is go to all of these reservations and, and they have to do what, you know, Florida State did. And it's over. The league is not going to allow it. And this new ownership group, they don't want the heat that will come with it, whether it's right or wrong. So I told you yesterday on the show that Chase Young had, uh, you know, that I learned that Chase Young had a, a big doctor's appointment late this week related to the stinger um, and that they're hoping he's okay and they're hoping that he'll be cleared to practice next week. But, you know, there is some, you know, there's some, not necessarily concern, but they're, they have to wait for this to happen, and it hadn't happened yet. So our good friend, uh, Ben Standig, uh, reported on that today, um, and he wrote the following. He wrote, and by the way, he was very nice. He gave me credit. He said the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast was the first report that Chase Young uh, had this uh, upcoming doctor meeting, but Ben um, got more information. He wrote, Chase Young remains not cleared for contact after suffering a stinger in the preseason opener, and is expected to meet with a doctor this week, according to multiple people briefed on the matter. Um, He hasn't practiced since August 11th, and then Ben wrote, wrote, Washington made multiple transactions with its D-line this week, placing two players on injured reserve while Young remains on the active roster. Uh, R- Rivera informed reporters that Young was to meet with a medical professional last Friday, but he passed on answering subsequent follow-ups about the situation. Teams, Ben writes, are not obligated to share injury infor- injury information in terms of an injury report until week one. Ben writes, the stinger, which is a neurological injury, we talked a little bit about that yesterday, is not related to the significant knee injury, etc. Um, and he wrote, the team has been pleased by Young's approach to camp and the health of his knee. Uh, and I discussed that uh, yesterday as well. That In addition to this person telling me that there was this, you know, important doctor's meeting, this person also insisted that Chase had been great you know he's been great since training camp began. Uh this is a big deal. I can't I can't wait for the season to start and for us um to really uh to really get a handle on what he is as a player. Um you just need him to be healthy first and foremost, understood, but if he is healthy I I'm leaning in the direction of this could be a big bounce back year for Chase Young. I hope I'm right about that. Uh, the team today put out a press release uh, announcing a 40 million dollar investment in FedEx Field, funding significant upgrades upgrades to the stadium infrastructure and the overall fan experience. These upgrades include three new themed suites, new ticket scanning pedestals, point-of-sale upgrades, and updated Commander's branded imagery around the stadium, as well as maintenance repairs to the bowl and paint around the stadium. Uh, This is something, by the way, that Jason Wright talked about uh, in that interview with JP and with Brian. Um, A few of the highlights of this... um, FedEx Field will be the home to 12 new food vendors, including Hill Country Barbecue, Pardon My Cheesesteak, D.C. Half Smokes. I know D.C. Half Smokes. They're phenomenal. There was a location right near where my son lived, uh, not in Logan, but sort of Columbia Heights um, for a while. Um, and I walked into that place one day with him, and the guy that was working in there— was a fan of the show, as it turned out. Um, anyway, uh, Paisano's Pizza, Washington Grill, Capital Kettle Corn, Fuku by David Chang, Visitor's Dog, Loaded Mac, Jerry Seafood, familiar with Jerry Seafood, PMC Cheese Steak Nachos, that sounds good, Swizzler, DMV Crab Rolls. Uh, Those are the uh, 12 new food vendors. The commanders also have added three new themed suites. An arcade-themed suite, a legends-themed suite, and a military-themed suite. The suites are catered toward large groups looking to take their game day experience to the next level. The arcade suite features an air hockey table, table. Is air hockey still a thing? That was a thing when I was a kid. That was like a 70s invention. Uh, Retro classics like Pac-Man and NFL Blitz, as well as Madden 23 on the Xbox. The Legends suite is decked out with players' lockers, benches, AstroTurf carpets, and artwork commemorating franchise history. And the Military suite celebrates past and present servicemen and women with custom artwork that honors all six branches. Um Brand new sound system, brand new video boards, upgraded graphics. So there you go. Look, this is $40 million. That's not chump change. I understand it's just a fraction. You know, it's not even 1% of what they paid for the team. Uh, But um, it's real money. And this is, you know, why they can't. Back to the name thing for for a second. They can't do anything about the name right now. That's why they have been focused on these things that they can do something about. You know, that's why Jason Wright said yesterday their focus really right now is on, you know, enhancing the stadium experience, experience. you know, building a winning team on the field and reengaging with the community. This is enhancing the stadium experience. Look, that place was run down. Run down, and they've got to play there, not just this year, but for the next several years. They may be playing in FedEx Field for another five seasons before a new stadium opens up and is ready to go. It might be more than five seasons. Uh, two more things before we get to Stanford, Steve. Uh, Number one is Bryce Harper hit his 300th home run last night. If you haven't been paying attention, he's been on an absolute tear. Ten home runs in the month of August, 16 hits, and 18 RBIs in just the last 12 games. Uh, anyway, um, I... I'm a fan of Bryce Harper. I've always been a big fan of Bryce Harper. He's 30, by the way. I was thinking, uh, because I don't think I talked about this. I think I was away. The Steven Strasburg announcement that he's going to retire in September. Man, does time fly. It seems like yesterday that... That uh, Strasburg was making his debut against the Pirates with Bob Costas on the call. And then, you know, a year and a half later, it's Harper debuting in the early summer of 2012 as a 19-year-old. I think he was 19. Um, man, uh, I mean, we're now 11 years after that. Amazing. Um One other quick thing. Uh, Gil Brandt passed away at the age of 91. Gil Brandt, Hall of Fame general manager with the Cowboys from 1960, the year that they were an expansion team, until Jerry Jones bought the team in the late 80s. Uh, Gil Brandt was revered as a player personnel guy, and he was a big part of building what has become, you know, with the Dallas Cowboys, America's team, the biggest brand in the NFL. Uh, one of the two or three biggest brands in all of sports, Gil Brandt, Tech Schramm, Tom Landry, you know, that was the group. They were responsible for it. And Gil Brandt was the guy that brought all of those players to Dallas. He was a brilliant personnel guy. But in recent years, I have become a bigger fan of Gil Brandt. Uh, First of all, he's been very active on social media, sometimes to his detriment, but he uh, has been someone I've referenced many times because of the lists that he's put together, ranking the best players all time at various positions. To me, no better place to go than the Gil Brandt list of the best players in NFL history at a certain position. He's an NFL historian. Um, And... Ken Houston was the number two safety of all time on Gil Brandt's list of the greatest safeties of all time. Emlyn Tunnell was number one. Ken Houston was number two. Ronnie Lott was three. Ed Reed was four. And, you know, I've said this many times. Kenny Houston is consistently the highest-ranked position player in franchise history. It's not Sammy Baugh. Sammy Baugh's not ranked number two or consistently in the top five of the greatest at his position. Daryl Green isn't. Art Monk isn't. Rigo isn't. Sonny isn't. But Ken Houston is. And on Gil Brandt's list, number two all-time on the safety list. All right, let's get to some college football. Stanford Steve joins me next, right after
0: these words from a few of our sponsors. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This segment of
1: the show is brought to you by the Circa Million and the Circus Survivor pools out in Vegas. I have... Played both of them, Stanford Steve, who's joining us right now. Uh, I was out there a few weeks ago. Uh, my guys work uh, at the Circa. You know Tim Murray. I think you know my guy Aaron mm-hmm. Oster, who produces the, this podcast and works for the Circa. Yep, and uh, I'm in their Six million dollar guaranteed prize. Circa million, five games a week against the spread. Uh, pays the uh, to the top 100 uh, a million bucks to the person who has the best record at the end of the year, and then the survivor pool guarantees eight million dollars to the winner or winners. Uh, pick one team straight up, no spread uh, each week. Can't pick the same team twice during the course of the season. Uh, but that one pays again eight million to the winner or winners. That makes it 14 million in guaranteed prizes. From the biggest sports book out in Vegas, the Circus Sportsbook. The deadline is September 9th at 2 p.m. That's the day before the first Sunday of NFL football. Uh, and as mentioned, you do have to be in Vegas, uh, to enter. So this is for those of you that are planning on being in Vegas you know, at some point over the next week, maybe you're going to be out there this weekend watching college football. Uh, but weekly picks can be made from anywhere. Um, Stanford Steve is with us right now. Of course you can follow him on Twitter at Stanford Steve 82. He's part of uh, the Scott Van Pelt Sports Center. He is the co-host or the sidekick, however you would describe him. But this year, big new gig, and he's on his way. Uh, Probably as you're listening to this, he will be a part of one of my favorite shows on any network, and that is College Football Game Day on ESPN so let's start there what are you going to be doing for game day each week
2: uh first off we're going to go back to circa because I love it so much I'm so happy that you got to see it uh there's nothing like it I am actually uh was invited to be part of the Circa sports invitational which is 16 handicappers I think it's seven picks a week and we go at each other and Derek is throwing the money in the pot Derek Stevens obviously the head of circa uh so I'm super excited to be a part of that uh, it's seven picks a week, college and NFL best record. And then like the worst record, I think after three weeks gets eliminated and it's just the buildup all the way. So I'm fired up to be part of that. Uh, Matt humans in charge of that deal, uh, Friday nights, we have to have, uh, believe, all our picture by then. So he could do a show based on what the picks are. Um, but no going to college game day, Kevin. Um, it's, uh, you know, I've been asked a lot about it and being a kid that grew up in Connecticut but loving college football and then going to play out at Stanford. Like I made it part of my routine to get up on game days, to watch college game day. Uh, I just loved every, I think it captures everything that's great about college sports, especially college football. And with all the BS about realignment and the geographical, geography issues that we're going to face in this future, It still captures all the pageantry and all the great stuff with college football. And you know, we start with a neutral site game this week in Charlotte for North Carolina South Carolina. I'm not worried about it because those are two very good fan bases. South Carolina, I'm expecting, is going to bring a ton of people, knowing that they've been away from game day. North Carolina, they'll show up when they can. Uh, You know, we know we know how the Carolina people go. Yeah. Uh, But I'm fired up, and we get to see a former top. recruit in the country and Rattler who's got himself better since going to South Carolina. And I think the world of Drake may, uh, I, I'm really, really interested uh, to see what he does this year, because I, it's all we've heard from really is college people. When you talk about Caleb Williams and also Drake may and being here in a DMV, obviously you get inundated with Caleb Williams all deservedly. So he is, that talent. But I do feel like there are people out there that like Drake May's uh, mindset and everything he brings to the table better when we start looking at the next level. So I think it's a fascinating uh, uh, conversation that's going to go all the way to draft night, uh, unless the team, you know, that, that that number one team does make it known who they want. But uh, I'm fired up to see Drake May in person for the first time. I love what he brings to the table. Um, is, you know, the family going back with the Carolina roots, I, I think he's handled himself extremely well knowing what he's up against in that limelight spotlight with that team, that program. Uh, so I'm super fired up to be, to be a part of this, it's, uh, starting off. You uh, know, Charlotte.
1: I haven't said this, but I have kind of felt this and you just said it and that is. It's not necessarily the Caleb Williams sweepstakes, uh, you know, the, the chase no. to, to, to number one for Caleb Williams. And we've seen yeah. this in many, many drafts previously. There's so much time between now and April 30th or whatever night one will be in 2024, and mm-hmm. things happen. You know, not to mention that I, I would almost guarantee you that there's a quarterback that right now is not on anybody's board as a potential first-rounder. No that will make his way onto that board at some point when the college football season ends. But, um, you know, the big difference between Drake May and Caleb Williams is height. Drake May's a big dude. Like, he's 6'5", 6'6", mm-hmm. six, six, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of it. All of it. And, and, he's, and he's not a twig. He's put together, man.
1: Yeah. Um. Real quickly on game day, will you be taking the role of you know what the bear did, what Felica did, your 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 partner?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm gonna be on the set with the guys. I'll be, I'll have my own set. Uh, there's not enough room for for my big self uh, at that desk. But uh, yeah, I'll be mixing up with the guys. I'm gonna give picks every week, uh, driving people to that. We obviously don't have our podcast anymore with the bear. You know, him going to Fox and doing his thing. So. All my picks will be given on college game day. Uh, I'll be part of the conversations in and around uh, the show. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's you know, I'm up there. I'm I'm, I'm on the desk, and uh, I, I couldn't be more fired up. Uh, knowing what we have um, as far as people, when you talk about Herbie and, and Coach Corso and McAfee and Reese Davis and Desmond Howard, like it's, you know, we got Jeff Sims and, and, and Jen Latta doing their thing. Also, uh, there's going to be a lot more, you know, crowd integration and, and, and involvement there. Uh, we got, you know, we're going to Charlotte. There's some NASCAR stuff lined up. Uh, of, we got some country music performances. Uh, we got a new open coming. So there's there's plenty uh, to get to. And I think, you know, with so much new, there is a feeling out process, and uh, that that's part of the gig here, man. You 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 get assigned a new thing, and the production crew and the and the, and the um, directing crew it's a it's a it's a huge conglomerate that you know at, at a point like this we we've we've had meetings we've had calls all that stuff and now it's just time to go out and do it and figure out what we do best and do that as much as possible
1: well, I hope you give out South Alabama on Saturday because that, <laughs> that looks like free money. Um, I hate saying that about week one, but my God, when I when I do my smell test tomorrow, I promise everybody that South Alabama will be a part of it. Um, that line makes no sense to me at all, and the whole world's got to be on Tulane. Uh, anyway, I, what?
2: I... I... I, I agree. I just, like, think about last year. Like, I was at the Rose Bowl yeah. in Penn State in Utah. And then that night, uh, what do we have that night? Oh, that night, you know, DeMar Hamlin, that whole thing happens, right. And what gets forgotten on the, my favorite day of the year, which is that day, Tulane beat Caleb Williams <laughs> <Yeah>. in USC <laughs> in an incredible football game. I gave him out. And now they're ranked. Yeah, now they're ranked. <laughs> And they're giving six and a half to South Alabama? Like, what the hell's going on there? So there is a very good chance that South Alabama will be on my pick.
1: Well, you know, South Alabama, because in preparation for my first smell test of the year tomorrow, um, I don't just go strictly based on you know, the public, uh, uh, you know, money. Uh, I have a lot of information, as you know, from several offshore sources, but beyond that, I, I tend to try to look at the game as well, a little bit. South Alabama was actually really good last year. They lost two regular season games by less than a field goal. That was it. Um, but anyway, yeah, the, the world will be on Tulane. And I had them in that cotton bowl game against Southern Cal plus the number and they won that game outright, and it was a thrilling, uh, thrilling game. All right, so let's get to college football. Big picture, and I'll start with this. Give me a list of the teams that can legitimately supplant Georgia, stop Georgia from winning its third national championship in a row.
2: I'll, I'll start outside the SEC. Um, I think Michigan, this is the best team he's had. I think top to bottom, uh, everybody's going to talk about the line of scrimmage. And everybody that brings that up brings back Georgia two years ago and then brings up the mishaps in the Fiesta Bowl last year against TCU. I get it. McCarthy's a better player. uh, The way that Harbaugh's brought him along, I think he is set to be a big-time, big-time quarterback. I think the race for first-team All-Big Ten quarterback is fascinating when you look at it. I mean, Leah has a chance at Maryland. He's probably got the most uh, experience. Uh, I know I'm missing somebody. Cade McNamara going to Iowa had experience at Michigan. The kid Mordecai at Wisconsin. Yeah, throw it all over him. the place. Yep. The kid Aller, who I'm dying to see for Penn State, uh, and everybody I talk to is raving about what he brings to the table. And I'm picking Penn State to go to the playoff. Uh, I, I they get Michigan at home. I think it's you know it's time. Uh, they have the talent. They they are better on the line of scrimmage. And to me, everybody's going to talk about the offense. To me, the pressure's on the defense. Manny Diaz has the talent and has no more excuses. You have to be dominant on that side of the ball because you're only going to get better offensively. They have a huge test in a couple weeks going to Champaign to play Bielema in Illinois. I think we'll learn a lot about that team then. So in the Big Ten, I think Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State are all worthy of going to the playoff. I go to the ACC, I have Florida State back. I have them winning the ACC. I have them in the playoff. I have them being better than Clemson. Uh, They have a huge chance to take a monster step in the national perception Sunday night against LSU. Uh, They beat them last year, but I keep saying with Florida State, if not now, when? They have everything you want. Their quarterback's back. Their offensive line is not the weakness of the team anymore. They have major difference makers on defense. You look at the defensive line through the portal. They get the kid burst. They got a lockdown corner from Virginia. Um, everything you – I mean, a, a transfer receiver from Michigan State who's a stud. Uh, everything you want, and, and, and I think Norvell's a top five play caller in the sport. Everything you want in a team, Florida State has. I do expect them to make that step. So I do think Clemson has a chance. I'm just not there yet with Klubnick. Um, I think their defensive line is taking a major hit with guys – Leaving, uh, it's not even fair to compare this defense to defenses in the past right. that Dabo has had. I think there's a transition period with the offensive coordinator and Klubnik here. So, um, I, 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 Clemson's there; they could do it, but I, I'm not picking them. But they are definitely worthy of a playoff spot. And in the Big 12, I think it's Texas. Uh, Oklahoma has an easy schedule. They they have they should play uh, Texas in the in the Big 12 title game. But Texas, again, they have every Thing you want. That that roster, when you talk to guys on that staff and around that program, all those guys coached in the SEC, and everybody wants to talk about the future, this is about going to Tuscaloosa and being able to compete next week. And they, they are as confident as I've ever heard those guys. They have depth on both lines of scrimmage. A bunch of their offensive linemen are back. They have two stud defensive tackles that absolutely dominated Alabama last year uh, when you watch that game back. They have Serious talent on the perimeter. Yours definitely got humbled last year. They have running backs that are five stars to replace Bijan. Uh, I think Texas is ready to ne- take the next step. And then the problem in the Pac 12 is I think there are six teams that could win that conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really do. You talk about the quarterback star power. Uh, I have UCLA again. I was on them last year.
1: Yeah, uh, you were, I remember. Their,
2: their staff. They, they I mean, You go back and look at it, they beat Utah, who won the conference. They beat Washington, who's everybody's darling this year. They bring back everybody except quarterbacks. I know DTR was great in the preseason and making the Browns, but Chip Kelly's a guy who went to the national championship with a freshman quarterback at Oregon. I'm not worried about a quarterback in Chip Kelly's system, and the defense is all back. So I look at Oregon State, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, SC, and Utah, they're all going to beat each other up. uh, And that's why I don't think they'll get a team in the playoff. But that is going to be by far, in my opinion, the best conference to watch football week to week because anybody's going to be able to beat anybody.
1: Well, the last year we'll be watching it uh, as a conference. Um, Yeah,
2: yeah. All right. All right,
1: right, so let's go to the SEC other than Georgia.
2: Yep. Um, Alabama for sure. I'm picking Alabama to go. Uh, to win the SEC and, and make the playoff, I get it. The quarterback uh, situation is not what everybody, everybody wants to an answer. Nick is, has done this before. Uh, I think he rolled – I forgot the kid's name. Was it Blake Barnett maybe? He rolled out yeah. against uh, USC a couple years ago. And who finishes that game? Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts led the team to the national championship that year, uh, was, was four seconds away from winning a national title. So I, the way Bama's roster is stacked, this is, this is, this is has an identity of a Nick Saban team. Um, you know, talking to guys on their staff, their favorite player on the offense is Booker, their guard. Like that, that's that's Tommy Reese talking. Uh, that's that's their offensive staff talking. And when I think about Tommy Reese too, I think back to when Notre Dame was really good. Their best player on offense when they, they had it rolling, Quentin Nelson. He was a guard. Yeah. Uh, you know, Zach Martin was a guard that played with Tommy. Uh, The identity is going to be Alabama running the football. They're going to have three guys over 330 pounds starting, not an average of 330, three guys that are over 330 playing on the offensive line. So I really think they're going to get back to playing Alabama football, getting up big, and then playing, uh, they call it down there, that murder ball, where they're just running it down your throat, and that game shrinks like, like no other, especially if they have a lead in these new rules. So I really like Bama. I love the talent they have on the defense. Their secondary is the key. That, that's what's going to be a lot better than it was last year. Um, and their offensive line, as I mentioned, those are the two biggest differences when you look at Alabama last year to this year. LSU is the wild card. Um, I get it. Everybody's – I love Brian Kelly. I love what he did last year. But it's amazing to me, Kevin, how much people look at LSU and all they do – is bring up they beat Alabama last year. There were some stinkers last year. They got buried by Tennessee at home. Yep. They were so lucky to beat a bad Arkansas team that didn't even have their quarterback. Yeah, that they was a little bit. Wasn't that Texas the week A&M. after?
1: Wasn't that the week after Bama though? I mean, it I was, yep, and, and it that, was. that game reeked going into it because they they yep. had beaten Bama, and it just seemed like a letdown spot. And they got through it. You're right. Um, yep. But yeah, but anyway. then they
2: got waxed by A and M.
1: Yeah, you know? but but you There's, know what me, they they the moved they moved the football and scored against Georgia.
2: Yeah, yeah, but I, I mean a lot of that was Nussmeyer, the backup that yeah, came in. True. So to me, this is about Daniels. He still is not consistent enough for me to say L- LSU's worthy of an SEC championship and a playoff spot. I I am not there yet. And then I said they're the wild card. I meant to say they are the other team. The wild card is A&M. Like Reese Davis said on game day the other day, it was perfect. He said, you know, Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher hires Bobby Petrino. What could go wrong? <laughs> like, I mean, you talk about those two guys getting together. I need to see it. Uh, it feels like they got rid of all the trash, all the all the big-name recruits that were just about NIL. Those guys are gone out of the program. Wegman got some great experience last year. He was great against LSU in that win. Uh, the line of scrimmage should be as solid as they've been. Uh, I love the two receivers they have in Muhammad um, and Stewart. Uh, they got a great tight end, uh, two tight ends. Uh, you know they'll have running back talent. Uh, so A&M, they get Bama at home. That's a monster game. Uh, I think they play Tennessee in a crossover. So A&M is the team that could take the biggest step to me. And when you talk about the SEC – I don't know if that if you could go five to se- five and seven to a, to an SEC title. Uh, I don't think you could do that, but they could definitely get back to picking off a couple of the top teams and having a, a you know a nine win season, which which would be tremendous and, and get that fan base back up and running.
1: But I'm assuming, especially considering Georgia's schedule, that you've got them as an undefeated East champion against Bama in the title game.
2: Uh, I could see a loss in there. I, the problem is I don't know what Tennessee's going to be at that point in the season when Georgia goes there. Yeah, Listen, Georgia, I get it. They're stacked. They, they, they have everything you want. But when I go back and I watch them and I look at what Stetson Bennett did for them, it was everything. He had all the intangibles. He was a gutsy kid, man. He,
3: I mean, his
2: confidence level was insane. They were on the ropes at Missouri just getting their, their butt kicked and they figured out a way to get a win there. Uh you, you go back in Tennessee, they muck up they muck that game up and make it ugly and make Tennessee play how they, they Well, that was that was a that was a beatdown.
1: That was a dominant beatdown. Yep. The score but, was but, but, but not reflective. Bennett. Yeah. Yeah, Bennett was great. No,
2: nope. but they had Bennett to make plays early and yeah. put all the pressure on Tennessee, you right. know. Now, like they got an early I have no idea what Auburn's going to be. But I'm telling you right now when Georgia goes to Auburn early in the year, that place is going to be bananas. And Carson Beck's only played in blowout games. Listen, I know he's got all the stars next to his name, but I still – I don't judge anybody until I see him go on the road in a hostile environment. That's when I will make my decision about Georgia. I still need to see it. They're, you know, everybody talks about their schedule, but that's because you're taking – you're using Georgia as the, as the team to go through the schedule. Like, take Clemson against that schedule. They're not going to run the table, I don't think. Take anybody. Well, it's still, I, I still an SEC schedule. Talent. Yeah. Correct. Correct. And I think people just held, held, hold them so high now that this is where the expectations get out of line. Yeah, And you've got a brand-new quarterback coming in. That, that's a, a monster deal. Uh, there's been so much roster changeover. Uh, I don't think they have the elite pros on the defensive line, they got, they're got they going to play more guys, but they don't have a Jalen Carter or a Jordan Davis or a former number one pick on, on that D-line right now. So there are going to be challenges. They are going to face adversity. How are they going to handle it, and how are they going to look handling it? That's what I'm waiting to see. But I, I expect them to make the playoff. Uh, but I, I think they can. They, they, they the throne could get taken from them for sure this year. All
1: right. So you gave out Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State as potential playoff teams out of the Big Ten, FSU out of the yep. ACC, Texas out of the Big Twelve, nobody out of the Pac twelve, and then Bama and Georgia out of the SEC. So give me your four.
2: I got Bama, Georgia, Penn State, and Florida State.
1: Okay. Uh, Penn State would be Penn State and Florida State would be like last year. You had UCLA, and uh, by the way, I think DTR. Yeah. I've watched him play a couple times. It's preseason, I understand, but um, they got rid of Josh Dobbs because they immediately ha- have elevated him to backup quarterback behind Deshaun Watson. Um,
2: well, you you know that you know this, Kevin. Just on that quick look, how fast Heineke got picked? Like those guys. That's who you want as your backup. If you can't have another stud, which you can't now with the salary cap, you need a guy that can improvise and, and you can't game plan for. You know, like when that guy comes, like you can't game plan for Heineke's scrambling ability. The same thing with DTR. He's played four years of college. He's seen every kind of defense. And when a play breaks down or he knows he's got a bad matchup uh, for one of his offensive linemen, he's going to make the quick decision whether it's a quick throw or a run. Like that that stuff is, is measured now in the NFL and I think you're gonna see more guys. Jake Hayner hung on with the Saints. Uh those guys are valuable because of the, the the opponent not being able to prepare for them. And and when you have a an injury to your starter, that's what you want. You need an automatic juice, you know, a boost from a guy and that's the intangible stuff. A guy that plays a ton of football and and is it going to be wild by the moment. All
1: right. Give me Uh, uh, Give me a team or teams outside of this group, all right, the TCU and Uh the Cincinnati equivalents that could really bust up the party uh, and make a a, a very surprising – because I don't think – you know, Florida State would be a it'd be a surprise to a lot of people, but those that are following the sport know that they have a chance, especially Sunday night, to really make an impression. Penn State may have their best chance they've had. I still don't trust Franklin personally, um, but give me a team outside of the group of teams that you gave me that you could see making you know a surprise run and, and legitimately contending as TCU did last year, Cincinnati did the year before for for one of those four spots.
2: All right, I'm going to give you one here that I find really, really interesting and I do believe has a legit chance to make noise out of absolutely nowhere. It's SMU. SMU is playing in the American, okay? UCF's not in the American anymore. Houston's not in the American anymore. Cincinnati, not in the American anymore. SMU did a great job in the portal of getting guys that are difference makers. Their quarterback left to to go to Wisconsin. But this new kid's stone is a real deal. I think the world of Lashley as a play caller, but the, my main reason is for a team to come out of nowhere, they got to go undefeated. And what, that, what are you going to have on your resume when you have all those wins? They play Oklahoma and they play TCU. They could win those two games. They, on, I, I know they got to go to both places, but they play offense better, or I should say as good or if not better, than those two teams. So when I think about a team out of nowhere, that's my team this year is SMU. Uh, I, I just love what they have, and now in this new day and age, you talk about having to defend uh, sideline to sideline and the deep ball and, and a complicated run game. Lashley has that in his offense. They are a team I definitely have my eye on that could pull this off because you're, you know everybody. It's the question, right? Where you got to come out of from nowhere. But you have to immediately go to all right, what do they look like with an undefeated season? That's as good as the resume as I could find with wins over two big twelve top notch teams.
1: That's a good one. I mean, that's a really good one. You know, they played TCU uh, tough last year. I, you know, I, I, as you know, I watched Absolutely. and followed TCU, yeah. and that was yeah. uh, that was a competitive game. They could really score uh, last year. But Tanner M- mm-hmm. Mordecai, their quarterback, and they played Maryland last year in, a, in, in an early season game yeah. in College Park. Um, and he's now the starting quarterback at Wisconsin with Phil Longo as the offensive coordinator for. Um, for Luke Fickle, who, you know, left Cincinnati to take the job. By the way, Wisconsin's just going to be totally different, I think, offensively than they've been for a long period of time. I mean, they're, I, they're going to be able to throw the football, don't you think?
2: Yeah, but you also got to, like, Kevin, like, I get it. Longo, everybody just thinks that Drake May, you know, and, and Howell swinging it around, What you have to realize. Now, Howell was the main factor, and in, in, in May rushed for a bunch of yards. But Longo led the ACC in rushing his last four years there.
1: Yeah, well they had so two thousand they had two thousand yard backs with uh, Javante Williams and, now, and Michael now Carter. They got an
2: absolute stud.
1: Yeah, during now Hal's good year. Ray Right.
2: Yeah, and and now Al, Allen at Wisconsin now. So I think like he's got everything on the table. You know they're going to have offensive linemen, uh, but I, I love Wisconsin to win that division. I love what they bring. Fickle, obviously, is going to bring a dynamic, uh, just a toughness that his teams play with, and they're going to be back to Wisconsin defense there. Their schedule is very formidable. Uh, I think they only have to play Ohio State, and they get Ohio State to come to Madison. Uh, so, Wisconsin isn't like the, uh, everybody wants the other team outside of the three in the Big Ten. Wisconsin's that team for me in the West. I, I think they're headed shoulders. I think the transition in Nebraska is too much. I think Iowa still is Iowa. You can't trust them offensively uh Purdue I think takes a major step back after winning it you know Northwestern's got nothing so I really look at Wisconsin as a team that that has a chance to make some noise I think Minnesota takes a step back too
1: you you mentioned um so you mentioned SMU is as a real true sleeper yep. uh Uh, To go undefeated, win it, and then, you know, we'd be talking about it. I mean, I don't know if that would do Mm -hmm. it, but it would certainly put them in the conversation. (laughs) Uh, But you're right. Having Oklahoma and TCU on the schedule, if they go undefeated, they'd have to be taken seriously. Um, But you mentioned that you don't don't like anybody in the Pac-12 because they're going to beat each other up. So Mm -hmm. if I told you one Pac-12 team emerged and you said you like UCLA again – Like, I I kind of like Washington, and I kind of like Oregon. I mean, with Bo Nix back, what do you make of those two teams?
2: Well, here's the deal on Oregon. Oregon brings in a new guy, Will Stein, I think his name is. He's the second offensive coordinator from UTSA to go get a major job. I think Will Stein is in a really, really difficult spot because when you look at it, yeah, I got Bo Nix. He's coming off the greatest year he's ever played. But that was what Dillingham's calling the plays. So Will Stein comes in, right? He's got an ego about himself. He's got his own offensive beliefs. But are those beliefs in the same exact thought process of what Nick's had success in in Dillingham's system? You know what I mean? Like how much are you taking away from your own beliefs to make sure this kid's good? That's That's a really, really weird and tough dynamic, I think, for an offensive coordinator. They also have a brutal game in Lubbock, who I think is is the sleeper team in the Big 12 if you need a team not named Texas and Oklahoma with Texas Tech. So I look at Oregon as maybe coming out slow out of the gate, and I think the schedule's tough. Um, You know, they got to play all the top dogs this year, whereas, uh, you know, SC didn't have to play Washington and Oregon last year, and that's why I like UCLA this year. They don't have to play Washington or Oregon. And I I think uh, I have UCLA play in Oregon State, in the, in the Pac 12 title game, because I look at the schedules and I keep bringing up everybody's going to beat each other up. FC's schedule is absolutely brutal on the back end. They're going to, they got a chance to, to be, if somebody gets knocked off, they got a chance to be number one in the country in the first six weeks because they're not playing anybody. Uh, you know they get Nevada this week. They got Stanford. They got Colorado. They got Arizona. Like all the bad teams. Yeah. We, and then they go to Notre Dame. Yeah. And then they get Utah at home. Uh, uh, and then they go to um. They,
1: they get Washington, Washington at home, at home Oregon on Oregon. the road, and UCLA to finish. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah.
2: That 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 team's not built yet for that. I, they're they're better on defense. And I'll tell you right now, if they keep doing what they do, I saw in week one with Caleb Williams, he's not going to make it through the season. With the hits he's taken, yeah. Uh, so that's that's why I, I look at SC. I don't think they're built for that. Utah looks like they're going to hold everybody out. They got a huge game at Baylor next week, uh, and and it sounds like Rising in in Keithy the tight end who I love, uh, they're not going to play till UCLA comes to town. Yeah. So I, I Oregon State plays all the road games you want uh, when you look at the competition. all the bad teams they go and play on the road. All the good teams on their schedule come to them. And obviously, they have the Civil War late in the year in Eugene. So I just did it off of schedules when I looked at it because I do think all those teams are that close. Like Washington, I get it. I'm, the offense is, is going to be phenomenal. Deboer again, top five play caller in the sport. The receivers are tremendous. They have an elite NFL pass rusher uh, in Trice. But I want to go to I want to see them go to go to East Lansing and play Michigan State. Like. They're not good.
1: Yeah, they're not good. They're not good this be. year. Yeah.
2: No, but they're gonna. They'll be if they have a strength. It's gonna be their defense, and they'll. You know, it's on natural grass, and I, I believe right. They went back yeah. to natural grass. I think. I fancy. think so. Um, but there, there's gonna be scenarios in that game where they are uncomfortable. That's what I. That, that's when I want to see Washington. Um, so. That's why I think Washington and Oregon have the tougher ends of the schedule uh, when you look at that conference when compared to a UCLA or an Oregon State, who I like, as I mentioned. All right,
1: one more college. Uh, what do you think of Maryland this year?
2: Well, I, I look at what has transpired, right, and, and what we are looking ahead to. You know, I, I, I thought they exceeded expectations the last few years did they get the monster win? No. How many teams do when they're in this situation and you have to play that 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 elite level of three teams every single year? Were they improved? Yes. They had Michigan on the ropes in Ann Arbor. They had Ohio State. On yeah, they ropes did. At home. I was there. Awesome game. Atmosphere was incredible. What do you what's the next step now? Now you got to beat one of those teams. And that's where I worry. I, I, I think there are some key guys that are gone um, off this schedule. I talked to people at Alabama. They love the kid Dupree that left the tight end. But they still have a great one in Deitches. I worry about them on the line of scrimmage. I know Locks is going to have playmakers. I know I love the kid he got from FIU. I think he's going to be their best receiver. Yep. They still have great, great running backs. But what happens if you go down 14 nothing in a game? you know, that run game's gone. You know, now Leah, Now more pressure's on Leah, and he's been good, hasn't been great. Uh, he's shown flashes. The consistency level needs to improve, and in their in their inconsistencies on the offensive line, I worry, are going to hinder them, because they're not a team that's going to be able to ri- rely on their defense. They lost two NFL corners. Barham, uh, you know, at linebacker is an absolute man-child. Uh, they like what they have up front on defensive line, but it's the Big Ten. You need multiple guys at that position to be successful. So I think eight wins is is, is a really really good season. It's another improvement. Uh, but can they get, can they knock off one of the Big Three? That's the big question. They I'll tell you right now, they get Michigan in a perfect spot. Uh, per, if, if Michigan's a week little before beat before up, Ohio and, State. And they get them the week. Yeah, the week before. I mean that that's that's what you want now. What's Maryland going to look like at that point in the season? That's that's where I think Locks has done better. They 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 competed a lot better later in the year last year, where where you know a couple of years was it six and two years ago or the year before, and then you know the bottom fell out because they didn't have any depth were, on the uh, roster. Yeah, so. they,
1: they were four. They were something like four and zero and ranked. Um, yeah. Um, uh, this year, so by the way, that, if you look at their schedule, I think there's a really good chance mm-hmm. they'll be five and zero heading to, to uh, yep. Columbus uh, in early October I don't know if that'll be good enough to be ranked because they're they, the only win they'd have is at Michigan State um, Indiana stinks this year Virginia stinks they play Charlotte who's not terrible um, and uh, but decent chance the terps are 5 and0 and maybe ranked headed to Columbus on, on uh, October 7th
2: if they're 5-0, they'll definitely be ranked. I don't care who the wins are. They're a Big Ten program, and they have uh, star potential. Uh, but it's, you know, the biggest thing this year, when you take that step and you're looking to knock off those teams, Kevin, you have to win the games you're favored in. You, you, you can't. That's, that's where you get that sort of confidence maybe gets a little slippery. Like, oh, are we that good? We are supposed to win that game. That, that's where I have to do so. They come out strong out of the gates. Uh, I expect big things. I do expect them to be five and zero when they go to columbus and then then you roll the balls out and see what you got you know they the last couple times to columbus they've been decimated by injuries not having any guys in the secondary and that's a problem when you go play that team right. uh, i don't care who the quarterback is in the ryan day system so no i'm i'm fired up for the terps i love what locks has done uh and, and everybody everybody's rooting for him to take that next step the problem is is what do you consider that next step The majority of the people are going to want to win against those big three, but I look ahead to the future where they're not going to have to play those big three every year, and that's where I think you can start making success and making serious progress uh, when you talk about talent level and winning more games.
1: All right, let's talk uh, some NFL and some Washington when we come back with Stanford, Steve. We'll get to that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. So, what do you make of Washington? I think when you were on with me last month, we talked a little bit about it. But now that we're on the verge of the NFL season, uh, a week away from uh, Kansas City and Detroit in the opener, what are your thoughts on Washington?
2: Uh, Before I start, I have one question for you. Yep. What are your expectations for Chase Young?
1: Uh, Well, I'm a little bit concerned about this stinger. Um, He's got uh, Mm -hmm. another key doctor appointment, which I I told everybody about yesterday. um, And I think it's scheduled for tomorrow. Uh, Hopefully all will Mm -hmm. be well. But I am cautiously optimistic about Chase Young having a bounce-back year. I I think it's – like, to me, there are three major who-the-hell-knows Sam Howell, the offensive mm-hmm. line, and Chase Young. We pretty much know mm-hmm. a lot about the rest of the team, and it's pretty good. Um, but, mm-hmm. uh, but Chase Young could be a massive difference maker if he ends up playing to what we all believe his potential is, uh, which we haven't seen since the end of his rookie year.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it goes back to a couple of years ago. Like What made them a playoff team? It was that defense. And they were able to rely on the defense and, and work through some things offensively, right? And that's, that's where they have to be better. Uh, they have, I, 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 love the, I love the draft pick uh, to help on the back end. We know what they have up front. But to me, they have, like in week one, you have to come out and, and not give up double digits. You know, you got to come out and just put your foot down and say, this is, this is how this game's going to go. Even if our offense is struggling to get going, this team is not going to score a touchdown against us. So that's what I want to see coming out. As far as the division goes, I think the other teams have more questions than Washington has. I I think Washington's identity is is more set. We know they have a young quarterback. We know he has plenty of guys when healthy to throw to. You have dynamic playmakers at running back. When your offensive line is healthy, they are good enough to have success offensively when I look at Dallas I just think about the guys that didn't practice a lot in the in in training camp um and and the health and how much better uh is the is the Dallas defense uh I I, I'm not I just health is always an issue with that team to me because it feels like they always lose key guys so I think they still have a lot of questions and their schedule is absolutely brutal to start the season yeah New York, are they really going to take another step forward? I don't think so. Uh, I still think they have questions at wide receiver. Um, Barkley played a full season for the first time in his career. Like, those aren't things that I like to guarantee are going to happen again. And Philadelphia, so, just something in my mind and watching the NFL my whole life tells me it's not going to be as easy as it was last year. Do they have all the goods? Absolutely. How much better are they going to be offensively? Is that offensive line going to be better than it was last year? I don't I don't see that. So do you have a chance to beat them at home? Yeah. Is it, is it going to be a first time you know, in a while where maybe the commanders have more fans against them in a home game? If <laughs> there's ever a time, it'll be this year yeah. in, the, in the recent uh, past. So um, I look at, at establishing consistency. And, again, uh, as we talked with some of these uh, – with Maryland, you have to win the games you're supposed to win in this league. And that's where they've fallen behind the eight ball is just having you know, teams on the ropes, whether it's at home and playing well and scoring points when you weren't accustomed to against the better teams and still losing. Uh, that's, that, that's what it comes down to. And I, you know, I think that week one is a great start. to Get up off the mat, get a win, feel good about yourselves, and then assess everything. And, and the biggest thing about week one, you get to see everybody else and see what you're stacked up against, too. Uh, so that that's I, I, I am, as you said with Chase Young, I am cautiously optimistic with with uh, the Commanders because I, I like the staff, I like the changes that they made, and I just I I I thought we talked about it last time. I feel the juice, I feel the energy around this place that I haven't felt and I had no idea existed with just the ownership change.
1: Right. Um, I think the thing that is the most certain and we know it's the NFL so it doesn't always end up this way because I was certain about this in 2021 and it went the other way but i think defensively they're a top 10 defense in the league and if chase young ends mm-hmm. up being chase young again uh and emmanuel forbes is the playmaker that they believe he can be um i think it's a potential dominant defense like a top 5ish kind of defense this year so i i'm i mean you know Things change, as we know, and health means everything. And, you know, last year they, they played very well, and by almost every metric they were in the top ten um, defensively. Yeah. Uh, this year, they've you know, they've got some quarterbacks on their schedule. They've got some offensive teams early. They've got to play, you know, a Buffalo and Philly in weeks three and four. Um, you know they they uh, later in the year they've got Miami they've got San Francisco they've got the Jets and of course they've got Philly twice and the Cowboys twice and I actually think the Giants have a chance to be better than they were last year. Uh, you didn't really mention them.
2: I, 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 I just I think of, I think of I just I, I the, what made them good last year, right? They had Barkley the whole season, and I, I, I need to see that. Waller, yeah, tremendous upside at tight end. Another guy though hasn't played a full season in a while. And when I think about Jones and what he did, he he relied on on to have Barkley all last season. Uh they found some good things with the tight ends. Their offensive line stayed healthy. And, you know, they got they have two difference makers, you know, on their defensive line too. So I just in the NFC like there's going to be teams that make a, a big jump as far as wins goes. I just don't know how good of football teams they're going to be when you look at how loaded the AFC is. Right. So yeah, I mean the Washington and the Giants, can they win more games than they did last year? Yes. Does that mean they can make a longer run in the playoffs? Not necessarily to me. Uh, I just think there's too many things um, that I'm not confident are going to happen that happened last year for them. So I, I just need to see it again. I don't, I love Dable. I mean, don't get me wrong there. And he does a great job of, of creating scheme and, and playing to his strengths, but is he going to have all those strengths on a week to week basis in that league?
1: Um, all right, last one. Give me, you know, a team or something about the league that you feel strongly about that. You've been telling people about, you know, watch out for this guy or watch out for this team that, you know, m- that you feel really strongly about that might surprise a lot of people.
2: All right. The biggest wild card to me in the NFC is Seattle. If Geno Smith, any, anything what he was last year, that roster is really, really good. Uh, I, you add Smith and Jigman to the mix, that's a guy – that can run any route. Um, you know, last year at this time, he was the number one rated wide receiver. And they got him alongside Lockett and Metcalf. Like, I, I love what I'm seeing there. They got the running back to get, get some depth behind Walker with Charbonnet from UCLA. Oh, yeah. I like their offensive line. Their defense, uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to they're gonna get Adams back, um, who's an ultimate game changer. They didn't even have him last year. I think he got hurt on the first or second series of the game on Monday night against Russell Wilson. They are a team that they get back to where they're unbeatable at home because I I think San Francisco has a ton of work to do. Uh, You you don't have Bosa, um, who's, you know, reigning defensive player of the year. That changes things. Um, I get it. I'm as big a Shanahan fan there is. Purdy's going to be better than he was. I, I don't know. I need to see that. And they gotta play a first place schedule. Uh I think they're up against it week one. I love put me down for Pittsburgh as a home dog, week one. Uh but I, I Seattle's the biggest wild card because they, they can win that division. I, I firmly believe that if things go the right way. And as far as a big picture thing, I can't wait to see how the AFC North plays out. I cannot wait. Because, you know, to people talking about Pickett taking the next step. He's the third best quarterback in that division. Don't don't even try and argue me on that one. I uh, talked to Cincinnati people uh, when they were here last weekend. It's back to the old ways. Their most feared team is Cleveland because of what Cleveland wants to do with running the football. And and they you know what's Cleveland? I mean, what's the upside of, of Watson? How good is he going to be? Um, I, mean, I have you just no put him as the fourth the- best
1: quarterback in that division. I mean, it's possible that we get to the end of this year and he might be the best quarterback or maybe the second-best quarterback in that division. That's possible. Yep. I mean, if we see yeah. the Deshaun Watson of the good years in Houston, Cleveland's a legitimate deep-into-the-postseason contender.
2: Exactly. And that's that's, that's why that division – And that, I think they all play each other in the first two weeks, which is just awesome to see. And I, we didn't even mention Baltimore. Uh, I love – the higher a Monkin, uh, I don't think you go in the. Uh, don't have a, um, a firm mindset of what you think because you haven't seen anything in the preseason. You have not seen anything they are going to do offensively uh, with Lamar back there. Uh, health, obviously, is, is the most important thing in this league, but you know that mindset and that organization. They're not afraid of anybody, they are going to play the way they want to play. And uh, they're, they're as dangerous as anybody uh, just laying in the weeds and, 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 that, and having a bad year last year. So the AFC North, is. I'll, I'll, I'll be watching those teams every single week uh, because I think it's the, the toughest and most fascinating division without a doubt uh, in my mind.
1: All right, uh, finish up with this. Give me your favorite game this weekend other than Sunday night, which is the only uh, matchup of two ranked teams.
2: All right, well, we spent a bunch of time – on the Pac-12 and I'm a Pac-12 nerd. I am fascinated Well, you to see, you
1: went to a Pac-12 uh, school. We don't know what I league um, we don't know what league Stanford will be in uh <laughs> next year at this time. Uh but um can you imagine if they're in the ACC, how would you deal oh, with that? Oh
2: man. I I'll get to see them a lot more, I will tell you that. i will go to a lot more games. God. Um but uh let's save that conversation. We don't need to yeah. talk about that. Um all right. To me, I, I'm being selfish here because I, we want to compare everything, right? And Oregon State goes to San Jose State Sunday, and we get to, or right after that game, we get to compare Oregon State and USC. Right. We get to see Dewey, uh, DJ Uyunglele in Oregon State offense, which I think the world of because it has so much structure, and he his throws are going to be so much easier. He, we've seen him do it. I just think he got caught in a rut confidence-wise, and they were brutal on the offensive line the last two years. So I get to see that, and then I get to compare Oregon State and SC. And as I said, Oregon State's a team I'm picking to go to the Pac-12 title game. So that 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 is my most fascinating game, uh, just from a selfish perspective. But uh, I get to watch um, – Drake May in person. Yeah, I actually think Charlotte. that game
1: that I think that game after FSU uh LSU, that might be the on paper, the most competitive game between two teams that have, you know, somewhat lofty aspirations. I think I think South Carolina fans are excited about this season. Excited to see what Spencer Rattler can do after, you know. There was a question mark this time last year, uh, not just about his play, but just about him in general. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, so that that's an interesting game.
2: Yeah, and also if you you know you mentioned South Carolina fans um, being excited for this season, they really really need this game because they go they get Furman next week, then they go at Georgia. Mississippi State at Tennessee, Florida. Like that is – that's a gauntlet. I mean, you could be one in five uh, and all that optimism is thrown out the window. So I I think South Carolina um, really, really needs this game. And I I, sort of lean that way just because they've had more – they have more experience on the defensive side. I think North Carolina is still going to be a mess defensively. And in a situation where when it's under a field goal spread – I usually take the better quarterback. I'm going to take the better defense here. Uh, So I I do like South Carolina, but I'm fired up uh, to see that game in person. Do you give
1: Duke any chance on Labor Day night uh, at home against Clemson? I
2: I really do. I I do. Uh, When I think about that game and, you know, you follow TCU, I I think TCU upgraded an offensive coordinator. I think Kendall Bryles is a better offensive coordinator than Garrett Riley. Now, is Garrett Riley excellent? Absolutely. But there's a lot of unknown with Clemson. Uh, You know, are these wide receivers ever going to pan out? They have transitioned on the offensive line. I mentioned the defensive line isn't even close to the talent they've had in some, it seems like the last decade. Uh, Linebackers are very good. But Duke, I think, has a very, very underrated quarterback. I love Elko as a hire there uh, because I've always said, you know, at these, at your, you know, higher institutions, you need to be able to play defense. And Duke did that last year. Now they were the benefit of a really good schedule and this year they're up against it, but they know more about themselves right now than Clemson does. And if there's ever a night that that place is going to be packed for a Duke football yeah. game, it's- Monday night, you know, I, I, it's, really, actually I, I think they hang it's actually not a bad game. It's
1: actually not, it's an interesting game for those that don't know or don't remember because it is a new season. Duke was good last year, they won nine games. Yeah. Um, they absolutely annihilated UCF in, in the bowl game that they played in and almost every game they lost last year was a winnable game like they were all within mm-hmm. you know a touchdown or less I'm pretty sure um, I remember they yeah. lost to Kansas remember in the basketball uh, matchup early in the year when Kansas was actually playing well uh, but but they, they had some close uh, calls in the other losses that they had so actually an interesting I'm surprised they actually did Clemson Duke for that Labor Day night game? Um, I know we we haven't seen the best of games on that night in recent years. For whatever reason, people don't want to play on that night. I guess it's the short turnaround with Week Two.
2: Yeah, uh, Week Two. That's that's a that's a tough deal. But Dabbles actually, I feels like he plays in this a lot. Yeah, he does. Uh, but yeah, I we 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 talked about. You know, you talked about a quarterback not being on anyone's radar. I think this kid has a chance to do it, Riley Leonard. Yeah, at Duke, he's he's got everything. Um, they got a ton of guys back. Their whole offensive line is back, and that's, that's stuff I want to see uh, early on. That I'm confident. Like I said, they know what they have. Uh, I think more than Clemson. Now, does Clemson have a better roster? Of course they do. Uh, but in order to keep it close, I, I think I think Duke really has a good chance because their schedule only gets harder. Um, so I, I think the emphasis is on, uh, on this game for Duke, and I expect them to compete and, and cover that game for sure.
1: All right, good luck uh, on Saturday. Uh, I'll be watching Stanford, Steve, a part of game day now um, on ESPN, uh, which is as good a show for pregame as there is today. To me, it's that and the TNT NBA show. Those are the gold standards in pre-games and post-games and in-games these days. Um, Good luck with everything. You got it, my man. All right, that's it for the day. Again, no smell test uh, picks or even leans for college football tonight. I am looking forward to watching Florida and Utah tonight. Uh, But I will have uh, the first smell test of the year on tomorrow's show. Tim Murray will join me on tomorrow's show as well. All right, that's it. Back tomorrow.